Hello there, you're about to experience the What's Up Church podcast. Can a dude get some Holy Spirit? What's up, church? What is up, church? It is me again. <laughs> I'm coming to you this lovely, lovely uh, morning. I think it's a Friday morning. Yeah, February 9th is the day I'm recording this. Uh, and so it's going to be a nice morning. Having my cup of coffee. Just got done reading some word. And now I'm talking to you guys. Uh, but before I can get started, how are you all doing today? Lovely. That is lovely. Good to hear it. I hope you're all doing well, wherever you might be in this lovely day. I hope you're doing something cool. If you're in San Diego, I hope it hasn't I hope it stopped raining. <laughs> if you're in Texas, I hope it's not frozen. Uh, we'll see. The weather's been really nice out here. It's like been like the 50s and 60s, but with no rain. Uh, not, not no rain, but a little bit. So we haven't had the, the harsh winters like we've had the previous two years, and now I'm I'm legitimately crossing my fingers, saying, "Lord, protect this house," uh, because every winter we have issues. We have issues. Sorry, a hiccup there. Um, we have issues with our pipes freezing, and it's been a it's been a problem. I would say that you know it's weird because like Texas houses are Texas house. Let me not speak in the authority of every house. But ours specifically, it's a, it's a beautiful house. It's an amazing house. We are, we are blessed beyond words to have it. However, it's not the best ice cold house. Like when we get these deep freezes that hit through Texas that everyone's like, these never happen, yet they happen every single year we've been here. Um, the houses aren't set up for it. So it's a little bit frustrating. And we put solar on our house and that has not yet yielded the dividends that we thought it would with regards to like, you know, financial savings. So I'm seeing, I'm curious what the net result will be when we get down to like, you know, the summertime when it's really cranking up. We haven't had a lot of sun lately. Um, I sometimes go to the gym in the morning and I'm, I'm being generous when I say sometimes I go to the gym in the morning because it's true. Sometimes I do go, but it's embarrassing how white my legs are. When I go, it's like, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm ashy. I'm dry skin, ashy. So it is, it looks like, man, I want to use a analogy, but it's a really bad analogy. Just know that my, my, my legs are ghostly white. It is embarrassing how white my legs are when I go to the gym. So, you know, I got that going for me. So <laughs> I guess that's pretty good. Um, what to talk about today. So what is it with I was talking to a good friend of mine who I love to death and we were talking about why sometimes people who preach certain messages will have a in like an unconscious bias towards a message from someone um and how weird that is and how unnecessary that is and how how, how like what is that like, what is that when you just hear someone or hear a message and it doesn't, you want to find a reason why you don't like it? Have you ever had that when someone says something? So for me, 
I, and the reason why I say this because it's what I struggle with. The prosperity message, I think, is worldly weaponized. Like there are a lot of, I think there are a lot of of people out there who who misinterpret prosperity, specifically like the word of faith movement style of prosperity, as to gimme, gimme, gimme. What can I get? What can I? What can I receive? Um, like what's in this for me type situation, which is a very, very flawed perspective, like deeply flawed, uh, spiritually and practically. And everyone always uses, you know, um, uh, what's his name? The main guy, Kenneth Copeland, all these big ministries people use because Kenneth Copeland has money and people and the world uses that as a. I mean, the church, the Western Christianity, the the Christian church uses someone's personal wealth as a weapon against them. Um, we've I've had that in me. I, I know I've had that in me. I've, I've definitely judged people based on their financial standings and had nothing to do with their work, the fruit of their work or anything else. I've just had that pedestal like I get to judge you for some reason. I don't know where in my spiritual walk that became okay or acceptable, but I've had that. And so I fight that. Like, I feel that, if that makes sense. I can feel it in me when someone starts talking about, like, da-da-da. And I almost am looking for a reason to say, well, you're going with this. Like, like I have this inert, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's definitely a, 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 a not a good thing, which is why I'm always like, Lord, why does that irk me? You know, why does that, why does that rub me the wrong way? And I'll use Kenneth Copeland as a prime example. I don't sit in his ministry. I can tell you right now, I've heard in my entire life, one Kenneth Copeland message. One, one. Um, there are parts of it I didn't, wouldn't be my vibe, you know, wouldn't be the way. He's not someone who I would want to sit under as a, as a pastor. But that doesn't mean he said anything wrong. You, you know what I mean? Like, Like there are a lot of pastors, preachers, whatever, that have a, um, a style, a message, a delivery that I'm like, ah, eh, you know, not really for me. But, but if I disagree with someone, like you know, the scripture says, you know, you know, we don't warn the flesh. So it's like, what did they say that I disagree with spiritually? What doctrine are they misinterpreting? If there is, then let me go it that way. And if I if I have a complaint with my brother or sister, why am I not praying for them? You know, why is that not the first? response of like, Oh Lord, you know, open up their eyes or open up my eyes or, you know, you're choosing to use them. And so I I think about Kenneth Copeland's ministry because I have my current pastor, um, who I love dearly. Like I, I, I think we're so blessed to be in the house we're in because we get such good teaching. And it's crazy when you have that, like, you know, like, like my old pastor, Shane, phenomenal. Like when you're, when you're, when you're in the room, you know, you're getting meat. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that's of value. And so there's a, there's an extreme value to that when you're being fed. Right. And I trust my current pastor, like explicitly, like he, I know he goes after the Lord. I know he does all that. And so, and the people who he trusts explicitly are people that the world Christianity judge harshly. 
you know, like Jerry Savelle is the, the, uh, the, the, what was, I think I forget his exact, the apostolic leadership of the house is Jerry Savelle. He's like the spiritual covering. He's the founding father. He's the one that created, but he's not a pastor. And he admits that happened. He's like, I'm not a pastor. He's like, I'm a preacher. I'm an evangelist, you know, but I'm not called to like sit in the house. He's like, he's called to the nations type situation. But the person who is the pastoral covering in our house, who prays over our house, who prays over the people who has that pastoral gifting is the person that Jerry put in charge. And like, amazing. Like, again, I, I love our church and I love our church leadership. And the reason why I'm saying that though, is like, I would still, when, when, when Dr. Savelle would come in and preach, occasionally I would hear myself, I feel myself going, eh, you know, not appreciating him because I'm like, well, he's not my pastor, you know, or I would say something silly or ridiculous or immature or spiritually definitely immature about when he's preaching, like, I, I know, oh, here's this message again. It's a consistent message. And it's like, and then I catch myself and I was, I was having a conversation with my friend. I'm like, why do I do that? Like, like, why do I have that? As if I have any leg to stand on. So let me just put the facts out there. So, and this isn't like, you know, uh, this is just, these are just straight up facts. Dr. Savelle has been preaching for 55 years, 55 years. He has been going after the Lord in ministry full time, 55 years. So he might know a thing or two. He might have some experiences, you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he, he's got national ministries. He's got all over the world. He's been going after the word of God and teaching people how to be winners in life through what God has spoken to him. Say, I want you to preach this message. That's what he says out loud. He said it so many times. He's like, this is what the Lord told me to preach. And he has not told me to preach anything else. So what does Jerry Savelle preach? He preaches what God told him to preach. How simple is that? And he's been doing that for 55 years. And to his credit, he's been doing it like lights out. You know, whether you you maybe love or not love, but you can't deny the fruit of his labor. You can't deny his message. You can't deny what the Lord's done in his life. And he's just like, I go by faith. I've all about the faith. And this is what the Lord's told me. And this is what I do. And he's obedient to that. He ignores criticism. He blesses those, I've, I've seen this firsthand, he blesses those that curse him. And I mean like legitimately, like people that have done him dirty. He's been insanely generous to and he blesses them. He's insanely generous to people who you'll never know about, like what they do. And so like I look at that life, that model, and I'm always going like, why is it then when he's up there, sometimes I feel myself wanting to not pay attention or not give him the honor that he's due. And so like, like he literally gives the entire church every year he gets, he goes out and seeks the word and everything else. We have a, a yearly thing. And so his big thing this year was not being distracted. Right. Which is genius. It's, it's brilliant. Like, you know, we all get distracted. We all have distractions. And these are the, he gave us the entire church, six things needed to stay in faith and not become distracted. Number one, a deep commitment to God. All right. Two, a life of worship, prayer, and praise. Fantastic. 
A life devoted to the word of God. Absolutely. A firm reliance on the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Get it, please. A strong devotion to one another. Love, unity, and generosity. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Church of Acts. There it is. And then a compelling desire to see the lost come to Christ. A, like, like you, those are the six things he's given this church for this year to focus on. It's like, can there be better things to focus on? Like in the list, like a deep commitment to God. Like, absolutely. Like let your, like, you know, <laughs> trust in all your heart, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like there's so much about this. And so I'm sitting there going like, why is it like he's done nothing but give sound teaching, all scripture, not a twisting, not anything else, but like some, because it is under the umbrella of prosperity, my still worldly conviction or my worldly judging of prosperity gospel or get, you know, name it, claim it, riches, da, 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 taints my lens on occasion. And it frustrates me because I know that that's not right. Like our, our church is extremely blessed because of how Dr. Savell has walked his walk. He's the, he's literally the apostolic leader of the church. So if the pastor of my church, who I consider my pastor, who I love to death, who is an amazing man of God and who goes after God and is always communing with the Holy spirit. If he looks at that gentleman, with reverence, awe, and respect, and he is 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 hanging on to to what he's saying and knowing that he, you know it's like it's like if you look at the old church and you would have like you know Paul rolls into town and just drops bombs of these wisdom and because of the time he spent with the Lord, the time that he's communed with Jesus, you want all that knowledge. You want all of it. And I think nowadays we take it for granted because we have so many resources. Let me rephrase that. I take it for granted because we have so many resources. I have every version of the Bible on demand ready to download on my phone. I have downloaded most of them, but like they're all there. So I have a strong concordance. I have a blue letter Bible. I have all these tools to learn. Like there has never been a better time to be hungry for the word of the Lord to be hungry for God. There's never been a better time in history to be someone who wants to know his words. There is zero reasons why you, if you're in America, let me go ahead or this, let me go ahead and say this way. <laughs> you know, if you're in certain places, you don't have internet, all those kind of things. But for the average person in the United States, and that is me, the church of Laodicea, that is us, as we've spoke about before, there is not one reason why we can't be close to him, be chasing after him, and have all the resources to learn. But I think my generation, me specifically, take for granted those that have been through it. I have taken for granted those that are my senior, the elders, the people that are have such wisdom. You know, I, I've been doing a, a word study through Job, um, trying to break down the arguments of his friends. <laughs> like a... I, I like I've said plenty of times, I love the book of Job. I think it's just such a brilliant book. And I'm kind of trying to go through and really break down the argument structure of the three friends of how they really approached Job from a place of religion and a place, a place of knowing, knowing the word, but weaponizing the word, you know, and I, I've been trying to wrap that around my head. Like instead of using the word 
as a medicine. They're using it as a weapon, you know, a club to beat someone up with the word. And how we do that as Christians, we will beat someone up with the word. I've done that. I've, I've definitely been on the wrong side of, of pride in my own understanding or lack thereof scripturally. You know, it's a maturity process to be a Christian. And I think all of us have to work through it depending on what your goals are, you know, but I've definitely misused scripture or misapplied scripture that I've had to repent for. I've given bad advice based on my immaturity, my lens, my shortcomings. I've responded out of the flesh so many times. Like I've, like I've done that where I've just responded and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> oh my God, that is in there. Wow. That is in there. Lord, forget, you know what I mean? I've had to like go back and repent. Like I did not know that was just creeping right below the surface. That is sobering to know how close that was to the surface, which means, you know what I mean? It goes back and go, okay, well, you know, what am I holding on to? What am I get? What, what are, what am I doing? Lord, that's not, re- not surrendering all this to you. And so I, I, that's what I'm saying. So like I've, I've weaponized the word and I think I've done it a disservice. I've, I, and I've said plenty of times, how many times I've, I've, I've had a judgmental or critical spirit towards someone who's doing something because it wasn't according to my own approval rating, <laughs> which I still, ah, man, it bums me out. And, he, and then that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, here it is a message that is coming with such depth and wisdom and knowledge. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm looking at the messenger with like a measuring stick of like, well, you know, ah, maybe you could say that a little bit. And I'm like, what is, what is that thing? I mean, do you guys do that? Is it, is it just me? You know, and I don't know how many people, different people you listen to. And that maybe that's, you know, I, I, I enjoy a lot of different speakers. Like I love our pastoral leadership. And there's, you know, Michael Coulinos on, I've said out numerous times, Jesus image out of Orlando. I, I think it's unbelievable. Francis Chan, I was trying to describe it the other day to someone. So like how I love the way that Jesus image preaches Jesus. Shocker, right? I love that. I, there, I don't, I don't know anybody that preaches Jesus better than and more consistently than Michael Coulinos. Um, and I don't, I don't know. That's not a knock to anybody who's, who's, who's preaching. It's just like, I just, he just has. He has a beautiful understanding of just who Jesus is more than most. And his preaching doesn't ever deviate from it. That's all it is. It's just Jesus. And I love that. And then Francis Chan is more the father. Francis Chan is more the, 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 the royalty, the throne, the, the, the majesty of the father. And because of him having a horrible relationship with his father in real life, he's become amazing at preaching elements. of, And I love that. I love that. You know, our, our leadership talks about faith. Like that's the drum that our house beats constantly knowing the word and being in faith. Like, what does that mean? And that's been amazing for me to kind of really get a hold of is like, well, knowing the word is paramount. Like, how can you have faith for something that you don't know? Like, it's impossible for you to sit there and say, oh, I'm believing for this. Well, why? Where is the scripture that says you should or should not be? What are you basing your belief on? What are you basing your faith on? And having a, a desire to know the word and to know the Lord via the word is is been huge in my life. That has been a massive change. 
you know, there is a huge difference. Like I believe because, you know, some, I've, I remember some scriptures that someone has said aloud and they sound nice versus like I say, Shane, when he gave me the, the mandate to get a shovel and dig, grab my shovel and dig into this word. And I, 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 and I'm there now. I haven't always been, I'm not always, I and mean, this is not a lights out, but like I, I, I have a deep desire and a love to go into the word. But I've weaponized parts of scripture as a weapon, which is why I think I like going back through Job and reading the, the, the arguments of his friends and how brutal they were. And like, if you go through them, some of the things you're saying, like, oh my gosh, dude, like the dude just lost everything. And this is what you're coming at. I'm like, well, you know, it's just, it's a, it's an amazing just you can get real deep in Job or you can be really 30,000 foot. You know what I mean? There's a lot, there's so much meat. It's, it's, you can go as deeper and shallow as you want to in that book, but man, it's awesome. And that's why I think I like it so much. It's just, I'm, I, I'm always just pulling from it. Um, and then I look at myself and then I'm like, I see myself in those guys, Job's friends. I see myself in someone who looks at something through a faulty lens. You know, remember they're, they're critiquing Job based on their understanding, not based on who God is. And that was the flaw. Same way with Job. Job was, was, was judging his, judging God based on his circumstances. You know, there was a lot of pride, fear, self-righteousness. There's a lot of those things going on with Job, you know. However, it was, it was his description of God's character that was the issue. You know, and it's so easy for us to see something or, or, or have a, a look at something and then tell ourselves we're operating in faith or tell ourselves we're operating in the love of Christ and then not at all be doing that. Not at all be operating out of love, out of the true desire for that person's benefit, well-being. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, do you really, do I really? No, no. I fall short of that all the time. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm as bad as that as I think I am at a lot of my, <laughs> of my shortcomings. That's a big one for me. Um, and I can give you excuses why I can, I can make myself feel better and say, it's not as what you think. I don't know, but really the end of it is. Like that heart of generosity for others is not natural for me. And so working on it is very difficult because my natural worldly inclination is to like, you know, put up a wall between me and whoever as a, as a defense mechanism, as a whatever, you know, and that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go to the Lord. Oh my gosh. So our pastor, <laughs> our pastor, um, two weeks ago, what it was, I was talking about that, like, we're talking about the trust. Like if, if, are you scared of something in your life? You know, cause th- without him, you can do nothing, right? Like without the Lord in our lives, we can do nothing. You know, John 15, five, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He who abides in me and I am will bear much fruit for without me, you can do nada. It is one of my smooth stones. And I love it for that reason. Cause the finish without me, you can do nothing. So when we talk about we're scared or we're, we have to really look at that. Why? What are we scared of? Are we scared that we'll fail? Well, then you, you're putting it, you're, you're assuming you'll fail. And then you're basically saying, I think my good father will let me fail, which means I don't trust him. Like there's this, like, if we start breaking these things down of where these spirit of fear, where the spirit of, of anxiety, all these things come from, it comes from our opinion of the father. 
of Jesus, of our Savior. Like, is he who he says he is, and will he do what he says he's going to do? Or do you think it's on me? Like, you know what I mean? We all have the co-laboring. I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds on this, but, there, you know. And so I just go back to when I've been critical of people that are doing it differently than I think. That, you know, and I, the wealth. I think if it's weird. If you talk about wealth in a lot of Christians in America, they have a really strong opinion about wealth. They want it, <laughs> but they don't want leaders to have it. You know, it's such a, it's, it's such a perverse mentality that I've, I, that I, that I know I still have like traces of, which is why it really frustrates me because I see it in me sometimes. I feel it in me sometimes, you know, not so much as someone having wealth, but like that, that, you know, we, there's always a. What's the heart of the message, you know? And, and I said before, like the reason why I love where we're going to church and it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, we, the world would call us a name it and claim it prosperity mass faith word of faith church that would come with all the baggage that that comes with. But I can tell you being in that place, you're, it is amazing what word and knowledge and faith we're being instructed with and being given and being prayed over and, and, and developing. So you can choose to receive things or not receive things, but man, that's not, that's not anybody else's fault, but my own. If I'm, if I'm still having issues, if I'm still going about this the wrong way. And so I go back to honoring those who just have a wealth of wisdom. Like again, Job, Job 28, 28 is again, one of my favorite ones because it's, you know, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and to flee from sin is understanding. And it's just a genius statement, you know, that has so much to it. Like I've always talked about wisdom, understanding, wisdom, understanding. Lord, I want those things. I want those things. Well, like, like fear of the Lord, awe of the Lord, you know, and then understanding is like, Hey, flee from sin. If you know that there's sin there, then don't do it. All right. <laughs> Every one of us is like slapping our forehead. Like, yeah, obviously that's as simple as that. And, and there I looks like the simplicity of things sometimes will frustrate me. Like, I feel like there needs to be more complication because I'm silly and not smart and not wise and mature in certain things. So I, I go back to Dr. Savell. He's been preaching the same message for 55 years because that's the Lord. He's been obedient for 55 years. Have you not, have you been obedient for 55 years? Have you been obedient for five years? Have you been obedient for five months? You know what I mean? Like, th I think about that. I'm like, my gosh. And yet I'm still going to somehow find a leg to stand on when it comes to like, eh, eh, maybe, I don't know. Oh man, it frustrates me. Gosh, it really does. It really, I, I, uh, like it's cool when it's firing on all cylinders. Like faith is so fun when we're not being pruned. <laughs> When we're not being pruned. Oh man. And I asked for it. So I, I, I and I, I do love the pruning process. I really do. Actually, I, I, I'm joking about, you know, it being painful, but it's supposed to be painful. It's supposed to, it's supposed to, 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 to affect our flesh. And so part of me wants these lessons to be easy. And then the other part of me knows that I won't learn them if they are. 
as much as I would love lessons, spiritual lessons, faith lessons, things of that nature to be just super, super duper easy. And it's like, here it is. You know, I know me, the lessons that I learn always are the ones that require friction. Something, some part of me has to die. Some idea, some thought, some edge needs to be shaved off. Some wall that I've built needs to be knocked down. Something in my spirit has to change because it's not the word. It's not the thing. You know what I mean? Like I can't go back to this and say, well, show and I are watching, um, a documentary. I love it. I've, I've, well, it's the second version. It's the case for heaven. And then like, have you ever seen the movie, the case for Christ? Um, where it like, kind of takes a very analytical approach to why this man who was a, a staunch atheist is a believer in Christ. Now it's a brilliant movie where it really just walks through like the historical data. I'm a nerd for history. So I love that the historical data and all the reasons why it's, you, you it's silly to not believe in Jesus based on all the evidence. There's just so, it's an overwhelming amount of evidence. And then there's a second one called the case for heaven. And it kind of goes through the same process, kind of walking through the analytical aspects of why there's just so much evidence about heaven. And, and if you look at it and, but in one of those ones, they they talked to the lead singer of, the formal lead, lead singer of Hawk Nelson, which is a pretty famous Christian band. Um, and you can look it up in this one. And he, and he just kind of talks about his interpretation of why he doesn't believe in God anymore and why he walked away from all of it. And it was terrifying because it was so common and it was so built around, you don't fit into my understanding, therefore I'm out. It, you don't qualify based on what my metrics are. Therefore, I'm out. Like the lead singer says, like, like a, God's not a loving God. If, if he's all this and this, and this, then why this, this, and this? And then that is, I can't, I can't square that circle. So therefore, I'm all the way out. And it hurt my heart to hear him say that because I'm like, wow, what a brutal, what a brutal line in the sand to draw or a thing to say to the Lord. Like, because you don't operate. And I, I think about Job. You know, because you're not operating the way that I think you should be operating, then then I'm out. Then you th- that's that's the statement. And then immediately, I'm thinking about when I hear certain leaders or pastors or whoever preach a message that I don't like, and then I I'm out. And I'm like, oh gosh, here I am again, dude. Like, I'm looking at someone who I'm like, oh, buddy, don't do that, don't do that, man. Like, please, Lord, like 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 touch his heart. Like reignite that fire, like show them who you are. You know, don't turn apostate. Like the whole Bible, the whole, the whole New Testament warns of apostate, like, like what that is and how it's worse. And I'm like, man, like what a, like, please or like, like, like correct him, course correct or whatever you got to do, just pull him back, Holy Spirit. But immediately I, I, I recognize my own, like, oh, Daniel. Wow. How, how you closely edge toward that same thought process. And, and you don't you don't think you're in anywhere near him, but like, who who's who's the true judge here? You know, the Lord obviously. So so my metrics of what makes me feel better about not being denying. Well, I mean, <laughs> what where's the level? You know, like if we're really getting honest with ourselves, where is oh my little bit of lack of belief or my little bit of worldly influence in my own walk is totally acceptable. 
but his isn't, you know, now obviously I haven't gone apostate. I haven't gone that far, but you, you know, that's the whole point though. As we rationalize why we don't believe, we rationalize why we disagree. We rationalize where there's parts that we just like, ah, eh, we hold on to. And then we just parts we kind of let go of because it doesn't really fit. And I, I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to have that perspective because it, I, I, when I see it, it breaks my heart. And then I immediately think about, oh my gosh, am I like, Lord, am I doing the same thing? Like, it's so easy to sit there and from our ivory towers, my ivory tower, I apologize for making that inclusive with you guys, but like my ivory tower, sometimes I'll have this perspective as I know something that they don't, or I'm, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like the pride of that. Like, you know, and I think that's why I love Job so much because Job was a righteous man, but he was so also self-righteous. He, he had a, a misconception of the Lord and I don't want to have that. I want to be a righteous man. I want to be without blemish. I want the, the, the God to, I want God to boast over me in front of the courts of heaven, like he does over Job. <laughs> and I want to pass the test. You know, I want to get through that, that season, whatever that might be, however long that is. I want to, but I want to do it in righteousness. I want to do it in, in, in knowing who he is. And part of that is that, you know, that the critical nature that I'm like, man, Lord, I got to just work on that. And my leadership, like, really, truly appreciating. Thank you, Lord, for who you've put in my life to be leaders for me, be role models for me, to be spiritual mentors for me. Like you've, you've given me so much. What do I do with that? I'm like, how do I, how do I, how do I move that forward? How do I honor you, praise you, worship you, and then be in a place to, to share that without my own bias, <laughs> without my own horrific fleshly worldly lens that I sometimes filter his perfect message through. And that's, that's what I've been thinking about. So that is today. <laughs> there we go. Again, another just on brand, uplifting, motivating, spiritually dynamite <laughs> podcast. Oh, buddy. Anyway, uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you for listening to this. I hope you have a great day. I don't know when this comes out, but whatever it does, I hope it's something that motivates you to be better than me. Honestly, I hope this podcast gives you some clear warning signals on what I'm not doing right. So you can, you can course correct for yourselves. I hope that's great. Otherwise, Hey, either way, I, I honestly pray that you guys all have a great day. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon. Bye. You have been listening to what's up church podcast. Just know you are cooler than all your friends that didn't.